Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Let's Talk ABM with me, Declan Mulkeen, CMO of account-based marketing agency, Strategic ABM. ABM is one of the hottest B2B strategies right now, helping companies to win, grow and retain their most important accounts. This podcast allows me to spend some time talking to account-based marketing leaders about their ABM programs and share their insights with other B2B marketers, wherever you are on your ABM journey. So today I'm joined by Keith Pranghofer, who's a Director of Account-Based Marketing and Strategic Accounts at Microsoft. Keith, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me, Declan. Happy to be here. Fantastic. So let's kick off. Um, Keith, you've been um, on a long journey at Microsoft, I think about 16 years in total, if uh, your LinkedIn profile is, is serves me right. Um, that journey has encompassed customer marketing, field marketing, customer advocacy, and now for the last six years or so, account-based marketing. Can you tell me what's been the greatest change that you've witnessed in marketing over all those years? Yeah, I mean, so many. Uh, I mean, just so many that we all see. But for me, I think the biggest change that I've seen is this this pivot to really need to be customer and client obsessed. Um, and this isn't just about ABM, but it's all functions of marketing, whether you're in product marketing or customer marketing, you know, PR or research, like this shift to really go deep and understand your client or your customer, um, has really grown. And it's been, for me, it's been driven by how do you compete in the market, right? And how do you address rapid change that's going on? If you don't understand your client, your customer, you, you can't, you can't respond. And then, you know, arguably it's more important not just to capture revenue today and share a wallet, but how do you capture share of perception or voice? Yeah. Um, and so understanding um, your client customer and being really obsessed around it, I think has been the biggest change that I've seen from a marketing perspective. So this whole kind of approach about client-centric marketing and building that kind of community with your clients. Yeah, spot on. And, you know, I know a lot of, you know, a lot of the conversation today um, revolves around, hey, like what approach might you use? Or are you, you know, a lot of it is on like the technology that that we, mm. we that we leverage today. But I think fundamentally, like those are all pieces that, that have driven change. But that core value of how you, you know, like the client centric programs, um, I think you hit it spot on is for me what I've seen the biggest change in 15 years. And that's interesting, actually, because uh, I remember I interviewed at the very beginning of this podcast a couple of years ago, uh, Bev Burgess, who um, actually coined the term ABM back in 2003. And and she was telling me that she was at a lunch or a dinner with some uh, marketers from Accenture and Unisys, and they had invented a term and a methodology called client-centric marketing. And so that was the genesis of her building the methodology coining the term account-based marketing. So it's interesting your your positioning around what you've seen in the change. Obviously, it comes back to what she saw 20 years ago now. Yeah, I mean, it really it really has. Um, and I, I remember sitting, Bev, like you mentioned, has been not only coined it, but then the work that Accenture and, and I think it was Infosys, you said, right? Like, like the work there and, and so much of that bleeding from, you know, it's interesting where it, came from where it's evolved, that would, those are really services-based organizations, right? Mm-hmm. They're not product-based. Like, they're in the business of consulting services and, and how then like bringing that and how it's landed now 
in product. And I would say even in some cases, like you start to see it from a consumer perspective. Um, to me, that's really an interesting evolution as well um, of where it, where it originated. I think people coming into marketing practice today, you know, it's the big tech product companies that are pushing a lot of the account-based work. But And I think oftentimes we look at them as being the marquee, right? And I can say being at Microsoft, it's great to... Uh, have that and have the, the brand name and you, you name any of the large um, technology companies that are driving ABM. Um, and so you think, oh, they must originated and started this, but it didn't. It came from like these businesses that had to be client obsessed um, because they were, you know, at the end of the day, they were, their product were the people that had to go do the work. So you had to, you had to be relationship based. Yeah. And I think also Keith, they were companies and they, they continue to be companies that have to explore incredibly deeply those companies, their clients, know the market, know the landscape, know the competitors better than their customers to be able to advise them about what the what the future looks like, right? So I think that's that's the perfect fit for ABM if you think about it, because obviously the, the value that the insights bring, the value that all that kind of the data brings to the conversation, right? Yep. So let's let's just move on then talking about your um, your your career a little bit more around ABM. I think that one of the first kind of campaigns that you were running at Microsoft were focused around deal velocity of existing customers. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, certainly. Um, and so, yeah, our first days, uh, my first days in ABM and at Microsoft were in our consulting services business. So it kind of ties back to the story you're just talking mm -hmm. about from a um, from a services angle. Um, so there were places where we had existing relationships. Um, and then we were constantly getting you know, new projects coming into the pipeline, right? There's, you, you always had these feeder deals is what we would call it. Um, but they were often small deals. And it goes back to like how, if you want to grow your book of business um, from a services perspective, you have to understand your clients, their needs and where they're going in the market to get these bigger deals. And so what we realized is that there was really an opportunity to apply ABM to help drive velocity against those smaller deals, but also how do we grow their size? So this whole concept of how do you, we called it land and expand. Mm -hmm. um, and it, we used ABM and we did it by really looking at, you know, in these earlier days, building out propensity models. Um, so we didn't have all the AI and machine learning at the time, but we would build out these propensity models that would help us look at where can we go win deals? And then how do we expand them by proposing value add services or the next logical services? So we used a lot of data early on to build out these models. Um, and then the big part for us, particularly in the services business was, you know, that deep connection with the sales leads. And then also for us, solution architects, the people actually delivering on the client. And so we worked a lot with them to actually map out content, subject matter experts, um, reference customers throughout a sales stage. Um, I wouldn't say it was a buyer journey by any um, stretch mm. of the imagination, but it was really mapped to sales stage. How do we want to leverage not just content and messaging, but uh, our people um, to yeah. really go help us win the business. And then figuring out um, from a Microsoft perspective, being in a, you know, in a product-based company, um, how do we leverage the broader GTM capabilities at Microsoft? So it was the channels um, that you may have to reach uh, customers and surround them with a the message. And, um, and that approach was really helpful for us. I mean, I think the results that we saw um, in our first year and a half or so, we, you know, we were growing deal sizes about 50% compared to those where we weren't using this ABM approach. 
um, but more so our our win rate was three times higher. So that approach of looking at the customer using data and modeling, partnering with sales, and then understanding like, all right, at least at a high level, what does that journey look like? Um, and mapping out um, content and resources that, that'll help move that deal through the pipeline ended up being um, really impactful. So that that was my first foray into ABM and, and it was mostly all a sales enablement motion. Um, it wasn't supported by you know, broad marketing, advertising, you know, social media wasn't really out there at that time. So it was really directly working with sales um, to, to make it happen. And, and obviously the interesting thing there, Keith, obviously, is we all know that ABM doesn't really work without sales. So, so ironically, you were doing the sales part of it as opposed to the whole kind of marketing part of it, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it really was. In fact, I would say, uh, the team that uh, I was leading at the time, and then we had the field marketers that we had, um, oftentimes we thought ourselves ourselves as more business development roles yeah. um, than marketers. Um, yeah. And it was a great mindset to have, right? How do I think about the business versus how do I think about marketing? If I think about the business first and then what's the marketing tactics we need to apply, um, it was just a really good mindset um, for, for us to have and, and to relate with sales. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And so if we move on from there, from those early kind of ABM days, I think you built a, a function which you call the strategic account-based engagement function. Um, what, what, what was that evolution and what, what did that look like? Yeah, so this was you know, a really amazing experience that, that I had the opportunity to be a part of, um, and both from the pilot stages and then going on to help, help lead the program. But it was a much different approach where um, this was looking at, from a Microsoft perspective, our customer holistically. So it wasn't just our services business or a single product, hmm. um, a product. It was really looking at our customer holistically. What are we trying to achieve? And really, how are we trying to build partnerships with our top key accounts? So in this case, we were looking at 36 of our largest accounts. And how do we engage with them to be market makers, right? Like, how, how are we going to market with them was this North Star we were trying to move towards. Um, so in this case, it was really thinking from an ABM perspective, more of a one-to-one um, approach. And that was our model of, uh, uh, you know, one marketer covering five accounts, which was still a lot. Um, yeah. and, um, it's the model still today. It's still a lot when you're trying to go this deep. Um, but so it was a, that, that was a very different approach of not so much on velocity and trying to drive win rate, but how do we build successful partnerships where we know revenue will come? We know advocacy will come. Um, we know share of wallet will come and we'll win and, and we'll be able to compete. So a very different mindset and outcomes we were trying to drive towards um, versus, you know, the early days of let's look at deals in the pipeline. How do we drive velocity against them? No, it's much more focused on the on those deepening those relationships, um, learning more about the customer and, and obviously being um, being in partnership really with the customer would be fair to say. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the key part. It was our, our North Star was how are we doing this in partnership mm. with the customer? And to me, that is Nirvana for ABM is where you are building your campaigns and what you're trying to do with your advocates and the customer. Like talk about being relevant and being able to resonate. Like 
if you're doing it with your your advocates in that account, you're going to have the right message. You're going to get access to the right people. Um, and you're going to be able to deliver experiences from inside the walls, I guess you could say, rather than being outside. So yeah. it's it's an amazing place to be. It's also a hard place to be, right? You all of a sudden have a whole other stakeholder in building your campaigns and your motion, who is the direct customer. So you got sales now, you got, you know, from, from your own company, you have your own team, you have leadership, and now you're bringing in pretty much those same types of stakeholders from a, from the customer side. So it gets more complex. Yeah. So it's almost like going back to our, probably you studied the same as me, the whole kind of key account management days and, and the whole kind of diamond versus the, versus the bow tie and those kind of models. So you're, you're literally bringing both parts of your organization together with your client, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and a lot of that is the, you know, it goes back to you know, even that conversation about the importance of sales and engaging mm. with sales on that side. You have to do that as well. Not only do you have to have the trust of the customer and build that relationship, you have to have a strong relationship with sales. They have to trust you with a lot to allow you to engage directly with that customer um, and really set you free um, to go do what, what you think is going to drive the best business impact. Yeah. Well, I think we'll talk about sales a little bit later. So you mentioned the word partnership several times there. And obviously what's interesting from your your journey there at Microsoft, you've now moved into a new role where you're actually um, developing your channel partners, I believe, is, mm-hmm. the, is, the, is, the, is the latest role that you, you now have at Microsoft. Um, tell us a little bit about that, kind of the role, what kind of partners you're working with, and, and perhaps what have you found different to working with partners as opposed to working directly with customers? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm uh, just three months into this new role. So I'm learning, um, learning a lot um, on that front. But the role is focused around how do we develop, in this case, uh, partnerships with partners. But uh, well, how we look at it is long term partnerships um, that are going to really help us be able to grow our business over the long term. Um, uh, the partner ecosystem is so important um, from a technology perspective that for how we're going to go both sell into new accounts, but go deeper. Um, and so I, um, I have the opportunity to work with ISV partners. So um, that is the focus of, of the partners that I'm working with. And it's both in terms of when we're trying to sign larger partnerships agreements, it's both in the pursuit phase where we're working with the ISV to envision what could be possible for this partnership. What would a go-to-market look like um, with that ISV? And then working through the process of, you know, the sales teams internally to close that partnership and then move into a go-to-market design execution. And then ultimately, we hope to expand and renew. Um, that partnership keeps renewing um, as we go through, uh, go through time. Um, and while it's ISVs, the really interesting thing, and I think it's also what's making it, you know, for me, like what makes it kind of challenging and different is there's a lot of diversity even amongst ISVs. There's, you know, the large established um, ISVs that are in the Fortune 100, right? But then we're also working with niche industry solution providers or high-tech startups that they may be very small um, organizations, but the amount of influence that they have on the markets, right, from their solutions or the importance of their solutions in driving in customers' business, mm. for us, could drive a lot of revenue from our cloud businesses. And so... That's a very interesting space of when we often would think of, you know, working with large customers, it's a lot, or the revenue, as we sized which customers we might pick to engage, 
from an ABM perspective. We were also we're obviously looking at like, usually it was both revenue, but you're starting to look at how large is that customer? How many employees do they have? In this case, they're working with partners. The partner may be actually very small, you know, mm-hmm. several hundred employees, but their the revenue that they could potentially drive um, through that partnership for Microsoft um, could be just as much as one of our large customers. So it's it was a it's a very different dynamic to have to say, all right, how do I work with a small organization that's going to have a very much smaller marketing team as well, um, and partner with them, and then drive these you know significant revenue numbers that we want to that we want to achieve together. So that's a very you know it, mindset very different um, in terms yeah. of thinking about scale and the number of people that you might work with um, and the revenue outcome that you could still potentially drive. So let, let's just dig down into that a little bit more for a second in terms of, the, you know, you mentioned, obviously, because I know you're a big fan of, of ITSMA and Bev Burgess and all those kind of learning and methodology. Um, in terms of the work that you're doing with the partners, are you also applying the different types of ABM program to them in terms of one to few, one to one, one to many? Or do you have a different approach? Yeah, um, well, here's, we're testing right now, I would say. I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out what is the right way to to engage, um, and it's a little bit of um, it's a little bit of all of it. So we are taking approach right now where we are doing um, as we're engaging with the ISVs um, with our partners a one to one approach with a handful so that we can learn right like how how should we go build these partnerships do we what type of relationship development do we need to secure and win those partnerships with the ISV um, and that's a very much a one to one but we are building it with the mindset of we have to do this at a one to few and even get to a one to many because our partner ecosystem is so huge, tens of thousands of partners. Um, and so we're, we're testing and learning, you know, this one to one fashion, but very much thinking it in the mindset of how are we going to harvest this and be able to scale this um, type of motion uh, in a one to few or one to many model, but also in a fashion where we are never going to have the number of people that we probably need from, in our case, like a partner marketing um, role to go engage at that level. So it's it's going to be an interesting dynamic. And it's also one where you're not going to scale this. It's so relationship based that yeah. we're not going to scale this through marketing technology, most likely. Right. It's still going to be so relationship based. Um, so there's a lot of nuances that that I'm learning and we're trying to figure out, but uh, we are trying to apply the methodologies um, uh, and and just trying to learn what what makes sense and what doesn't. Yeah, that's interesting, actually, Keith, because what you just said there reminds me of um, of a previous guest on Let's Talk ABM, Elise Miller, who's head of ABM for EMEA at um, ServiceNow which I'm, I'm guessing would be a company that you know very, very well. And, and what they've been doing there is something around trying to build an ABM ecosystem because they, they said exactly the same thing as you said, that they just you can't scale ABM in terms of the number of bodies that you would need to deliver it to the number of clients that you would like to deliver, deliver it to. So how can you actually push ABM out to the entire organization so more people actually do ABM outside of marketing, which I thought was a really interesting uh, approach. Yeah, no, it, you really do have to figure out how do you how do you enable um, other people mm-hmm. to go do it, and so to that, you know, it, it just makes me think one of the things that we really do rely on is um, the relationship managers at a partner level to help them build 
their strategy in terms of how they want to engage the partner and then what does that go to market plan look like so that's one of the things that we're thinking about as we're driving our program is how are we going to enable our relationship managers um, for those partners to go do some of the work that traditionally you would think a marketer should go do right and and that is uh, that's one of the things we have to think through is, is how do we build that model i think both the tools um to do it and the methodology but also then there's going to be training that's going to be needed uh, and haven't even got to thinking about how we would do that but that's probably the other part of it is how do you train somebody to not just understand what the tools and methodologies and approaches might be but how do you best apply it based off of off of the off the partner that that you're working with and what's going to work for their business model yeah and would that have something to do with perhaps building a, an abm center of excellence or something similar gosh um I don't know. I don't know if that's, I would go uh, a route to go. Um, you know, and there's so much, I've seen so much value. And I think, you know, going back to services, ServiceNow um, and, and what Gemma Davis has built there in terms yeah. of their center of excellence, just amazing. Um, and, and where I sit, I'm actually in um, the subsidiary. Um, so I'm just focused around the US. And so one of the things, you know, a little bit of a side topic, but the value of having a center of excellence to be able to activate different markets is so, so important. Um, and, you know, that's one of those things that I, that I never have had um, as an ABM marketer at Microsoft. Um, and the work that we do is that type of center of excellence. Um, but there's so much value in that. And roadmap, potentially, it's something we look to go do. But um, uh, right, right now, it's let's just learn and, and figure out, um, figure out what we what we think we need to do, um, just just to kind of win in the short term. Yeah, well, maybe add it to your list, Keith, for 2023. <laughs> or 2024. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier about sales. So I thought it's a good time to ask you that question, really, that, you know, a lot of people that I talk to around ABM, say that ABM cannot exist without sales and without that sales and marketing alignment. And obviously trying to get marketing and sales to work together can sometimes be a challenge. Um, how, what kind of tips would you share with the audience about how to get that alignment? Yeah. Um, God, I, you know, I think alignment with sales comes from, uh, I mean, probably the most important thing is understanding outcomes that the seller needs to drive. Right. Um, they are going to be very different outcomes that they need to drive and achieve just to to be successful. Um, so I think one is coming in with that mindset um, of what do they have to achieve? Because oftentimes in ABM, like, you know, depending on your approach, it's a long game, right? And sales teams and the best salespeople that I've had the opportunity to work with know that. And that's how they're going to drive their business long term. But they also have in-quarter metrics and quota that they need to hit, right? So it's understanding the balance of how they need to think. Um, and then that can help you come into uh, into conversations with sales about, hey, like, what are short-term wins that can get us to a long-term victory, right? So, so that's a very important mindset to bring to the table. Um, the second thing is um, understanding the customer and client. It goes back to that, right? If you come in being able to, to bring a perspective on, on the customers, that salesperson's customers or clients, that, that shows that not only are you just there to do your job, but you're there to think about the best outcomes and the success of mm. the customer. And I would say 
that was key for so, you know, particularly in our account-based engagement program is the amount of work that the team did prior to meeting with sales, just to understand the customer and client that helps you win the heart and mind of that salesperson to say, Hey, look, I can trust this person. And you're bringing insights and perspective that maybe they didn't think about. Right. Mm. Um, so to me, I think winning sales, those are the two key things, understand their core metrics, what they're trying to achieve, and then understand their customer client. You're never going to understand it better than they do, but if you can bring unique perspective um, and insight on it, that to me, I think helps you get the strong foot in the door. And then you can start building that trust and relationship through those short-term wins that can drive to long-term victory. I think those are two fantastic um, tips I think people should take on board and uh, and and uh, have in mind when they're talking to their sales teams. One thing you were talking about before we did the recording, actually, was you said something which made me laugh, which was that um, ABM isn't ABM without the customer. And so that got that kind of, you know, maybe start thinking a little bit about that. But w- w- when you said that, what, what did you mean? Yeah, so um, we uh, it, makes, it makes me laugh too. Um, you know, and I think maybe it's even in the words like it's an account based, right? But it's like, well, where's the? Like, how do we think about the customer? All this, or we talk about marketing and, and account based um, marketing as oh, this drives the best, you know, sales and marketing, you know, connection. It's like, well, where's the customer and all of that? And so mm. when I talk about that, it's really about you know twofold. One is do you deeply understand where, what the customer is trying to achieve, what their market looks like, um, and and what success looks like for them? Um, and when you do that, you're able to really come in and help reach new buyers, build new revenue streams, both for potentially the customer and obviously for yourself. But you build durable relationships. Um, and I think that is one of the things is when you do ABM for just looking at, hey, like what's revenue that you're going to achieve, right? What's win rate you're going to achieve? But you don't think about, hey, are we building the right durable relationships? You're missing a big opportunity to win markets and win share. Um, and that to me is like pure ABM. It, it does those things. Um, and it also, the second angle is that, that idea of how do you actually start to build campaigns that, you know, that are ABM campaigns that have the customer involved in defining the messaging, defining the execution, right? Like that, um, that really does allow you to do unique things and test new things that you could potentially bring to like clients. And so that's, that's kind of what I, what I mean by it. Um, and and I'll say like, we get so caught up in today's world of, you know, you know, how do we scale something so quickly? Right. And it's like, Oh, we have MarTech now to help us do that stuff. And we quickly lose sight of the end customer when we try to figure out how do we scale it? And, you know, and we start to water, you know, potentially have the risk of watering down um, the message that we want to drive um uh, with uh, with the with the customer yeah and i think the interesting point there keith i think is the um the, the kind of the the rise of all the technology vendors of all the martech vendors the abm tech vendors etc they've done a very good job of marketing their technology they've done a very good job of kind of you know taking a large size of the conversation around abm and i think a lot of people think that abm is synonymous with technology, but actually that's not the case. And I think you've just said there that the, the, the heart of ABM is the customer. 
And I think if, you, you, if your program loses sight of that, the customer, and thinks about how many more people can we reach, you know, what technology can we use to reach, you know, X number of people, I think that you'll, you're ultimately not you're going to do a disservice to to your customers, and I think you're going to probably not do as well as you could do if you were much more focused on a smaller set of accounts. Yeah, I mean, I I would uh, I would agree wholeheartedly, and you know, and and, and on the flip side, uh, I am most of the ABM programs I have had the pleasure of running. We have not had the benefit of having some of these great um, technology solutions to utilize, and I would have to say, like, there are days I'm very jealous of seeing like what people are able to do. Um, but I would say when people execute it really well with that Martech, to your point, they have kept the customer at the center um, and they're able to do great things and scale it in wonderful ways. Like I think Marlo um, yeah. then is like, he's done an amazing job of being able to do that with a small team um, and then drive scale, but always keeping the customer at the center of what they were trying to do. Yeah. And no, Marlo was, when he was at FireEye, was one of the guests on the, on the podcast. And I, he was talking about, he went to a sales event of the, of the FireEye sales teams and, and they, they mentioned their top four wins for the quarter and the top four wins coincided with the top four ABM accounts. So that kind of just shows you that um, that deep connection between sales and marketing in an ABM context can really work. Um, a couple of questions for you, actually, that I know are very close to your heart. Um, how do you use ABM to gain customers for life? Yeah, I, I love this one. Um, uh, so in our account-based engagement program, we had this North Star of um, our strategy to build such deep relationships with these customers that they would want to go influence the market with us. Mm. Um, so when we approached it from this mindset, like you truly put the customer at the center, um, their success is your success. And when we ended up doing this right, you build those internal advocates, right? You have the customer co-creating the messaging, the content, the experiences. And this opens up so many new opportunities, not just to do things that are related to each other's direct business, but how does it tie back to things that could have you know, impact from diversity and collusion? Um, mental health, social responsibility, sustainability. That is what gains you a customer for life. You are no longer just a solution provider or a vendor. You're a partner on helping them achieve their mission and their values. And ABM can do that when you are able to go in this deep and you play that long game. And I tell you, like, get customers that do you know that engage with you in that way you um it opens up the opportunity to start doing some really interesting co-marketing things um that go influence the market in ways that you will never be able to run as many webinars or put on as many events to influence that number of people and so that you can never measure you know i would say it's hard to I mean, should never, but you can't, it's really hard to measure the impact that, that you can achieve from that um, because you're not going to have like, here's the number of, you know, people that came to my webinar and here was my click through rate. But you, you do that, you win hearts and minds of customers at that level. 
the the word of mouth, I guess you could say, is so much more valuable to you from a marketing organization than any number of webinars or events that you can run. It's almost key. So like the, the qualitative data is more important than the quantitative data, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It is uh, without a doubt um, having that having that be an input to anything you measure in ABM. Um, We all get down to like numbers and dollars, but that qualitative input, um, particularly if you can get it at a more and more senior level within an organization, um, uh, that's that's gold. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's just uh, finish off with um, two or three very rapid fire questions. Um, We often talk about ABM as being a journey. And um, and you've, as we, as we mentioned at the very beginning of the of the podcast, um, you've been on a journey for for many years with with ABM. What's what's been your greatest learning in that journey? Um, you know, be patient um, mm. with yourself and others. Um, we all are just driven for results, right? Um, and, and we want to see things scale. We want to see them go faster. But when we approach things more from a growth mindset and learn from what did work, but more so what didn't work and celebrate those things that didn't work, we're going to learn and be more effective the next time around than we would ever be. So, I, you know, out of anything, it's particularly in ABM, be patient and give grace to people. Um, like, and I think the... <laughs> Probably the best saying that I that I could ever remember from a marketing perspective is somebody told me like nobody ever died from a marketing emergency, right? So be patient, understand that this is a long game, um, and you do that, you will keep the customer at the center, and you'll be successful. That's a fantastic um, experience to share. And in terms of the the hardest part of ABM, what would you say the hardest part is? Uh, determining where to invest. They're finite resources, um, and it's a long game. You still got to show results. So, do I do I invest in another person, more Martech solutions, getting more customers? That, that's the hardest part. Just trying to balance up those different options, right? And and yep. the very la- the very last question for you, Keith. Um, you get a phone call. It's a Friday evening. Your laptop is kind of just closing when you a friend says to you, "Hey, I'm, um, I'm I have to." kind of present an ABM strategy on Monday morning to my my team, um, what advice can you give me? So what's that one piece of advice you give them just before you close your laptop and and enjoy a glass of wine or a beer or something? Yeah, you know, the one piece of advice um, uh, is set yourself up for success in your team. And what I mean by that, you're building an AB program, you want to launch it, start with customers and account teams that you know you can be successful with. Mm. Um, do that, and I think the rest follows. I think that's fantastic advice, Keith, to finish off on. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your ABM journey with us today. Uh, I wish you and the whole team there at Microsoft every success for the future, and all the very best. Awesome. Thank you so much, Declan. This was awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks, Keith. If you enjoyed this episode of Let's Talk ABM, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Feel free to rate and review this podcast. Thanks so much for listening.